morning. Happy Mother's Day. Derek said it, I'll say it as well. Happy Mother's Day. Anybody uh, been taking the time to read the book, Tiger Mom? Tiger Mom? No? Really? Wow. Where? Where? I don't see. Okay. Really? That's it? Just a couple of Tiger Moms out there? You guys have got to uh, avail yourself of this stuff that's out here. This is a quite, quite a book. Uh, the Battle Hymn, it's called The Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom. Let me read you some of the things that the Tiger Mom does. She has two kids, Sophia and Louisa. And here is the list of things that the Tiger Mom never, ever, ever allows her children to do. Never have a sleepover. Never have a play date. Never be in a school play. Never complain about not being in a school play. Never watch TV or play computer games. Never choose their own extracurricular activities. Never get any grade less than an A. Never not be the number one student in every subject except gym or drama. Never play any instrument other than the piano or violin. And never not play the piano or the violin. This uh, mom is a tiger. Tiger. Uh, she tells, it's actually a very interesting read. Uh, she tells some stories in here. One of them is about, of course, her kids, both of them, they play the piano. She tells about of a time when one of the daughters couldn't get a certain piece done. And she was crying and the mom was saying, do it again. And they just went into battle. It's like a war zone, yelling and screaming in the house. She lost, the mom screamed so much she lost her voice. They worked at it for hours. She did not allow her daughter to have dinner. She would not allow her to get up from the piano for a bathroom break. They stuck there, I think it was like six hours marathon session without leaving the piano bench. They had a birthday. I know today's Mother's Day, but they had a birthday for the mom. And they went to this restaurant, and her daughters had made a card, you know, the handmade card. And she looked at the card, and she threw it back in her daughter's face, said, you spent about 30 seconds on that card. That's not good enough for me. You go and make me a better card. She said, then she said to the kids, when I was a kid, I wrote my mom poems. I'd get up, I'd clean the whole house, I'd make breakfast, I'd wash your car, and I do all, I, I get you birthday, I do these birthday parties for you, and I buy special cakes and big slides and stuff like that. You're going to spend more time, I mean, man, you're talking about a stressed out house. I'm just upset because I can't find any way to get my kids to move in with this woman for a couple weeks. Uh. <laughs> anyway, the tiger mom, you might want to avail yourself of that. Okay, so we are... We are talking about stress, chillax. You know something I've noticed over the years? When we do certain series focused on a particular topic, for some reason it seems like uh, I experienced that topic in some way. So we planned this stress series some time ago, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to me that we would go into this spring jam concert that my son is, is doing. I, I'm about the most stressed out that I've ever been in my life. And so it's finally dawned on me, you know, whatever serious talk that we do, God says, okay, I want you to experience some of that. So uh, we're going to scrap, after next week, we're scrapping our plans on every series that we have, and we're going to begin to do a decade-long series on success, health, <laughs> peace, wealth, prosperity. Uh, we're just going to keep going, like nonstop. So let's be ready for that. 
All right. So uh, let's let's talk about Eve. Do you think that Eve had a stressful job? Listen to this. Listen to Adam. It says in Genesis 3:20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The mother of all the living. All the living. That's a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of faces, you know, to wipe. Have you ever walked? you know, through a mall and you saw some kid that was having a meltdown. And as you walked past them having the meltdown, you couldn't help it. You just kind of smiled on the inside, not because you looked down on the other parent. It's because you've been in that same place before and you just felt so good that, oh, thank God that's not my kid. You know, Lord, you did just such a relief. You know what I'm saying? Well, she could never do that. Every temper tantrum, every skin knee, every word of, of disrespect, every act of rebellion, that was all her kids. It was all her kids. So it's a tremendous amount of stress that she's under. What I'd like to do here this morning for just a few minutes is kind of speak a little matter of factly uh, to women, single, married, doesn't matter, all, all women. And I want to talk about finding rest. I want about finding rest because I, I feel like um, after a, you know, a 25 years in the ministry and talking to um, a lot of women, single or married, and then reading about all of this, and then, of course, first and foremost, studying the Bible, it just feels like there's like a, a storm that's inside of a lot of women's lives. And uh, for a lot of different reasons, but it's like it's raging. And uh, I, I just want to talk about just some thoughts I have that have been born out of mainly from the scriptures, uh, but also conversations that I've had with women about maybe some, some things that, that can be done where there can be some rest. So I want to read you 1 Peter 3, uh, verses 3 and 4. It says this, speaking specifically to women, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Let me stop right there and say this. In the culture that Peter's writing to, there was a huge amount of emphasis on the external, on external. I know we don't, our culture is not the same way, but uh, back in that culture, there's this mega emphasis on that, on external beauty. All right, so don't not, okay, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine clothes. Instead, here it comes, he says, it should be that of an inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. Let me stop right there. Those words in the Greek don't I don't want you to conjure up this thought in your mind as, oh, you know, because you might be a lady here today and you might say, well, you know, I'm not this quiet introvert. And that's not what it's suggesting is that I don't want you to put a picture in your head of like a nun walking through the abbey, just all silent. And this is you, you know, that that's not what it's suggesting. What it's suggesting is an inner tranquility, is, is an inner peace, that there's not a storm that's there, that the that all the frustration and the rage is gone because there's a real quietness on the inside. Now, outside, you could be having fun and partying down and all that, but inside, there is this calm, this quiet. And this is what Peter is saying right here, that there's a, there's a lack of turmoil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please uh, be with us this morning and speak to us through your word, which is so wonderful, just so incredibly awesome. The power and the insight that comes from your word just continues to astound us. And Lord, open your word up to us in a special way and let there be peace, your peace that just flows this morning in all of our hearts and lives. In Christ's name, amen. I want to use the word rest if I can this morning. Uh, each of those four letters in the word rest and the R stands for this, reject the lies. When we're listening to the lies of the devil, there's a storm on the inside. When we reject the lies of the devil, peace can come. 
peace, there's a stillness that can happen in our lives when we reject the lies. So let's read it, Genesis. And we'll just track right through Eve's life here a little bit. It says, but for Adam, no suitable helper, suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. As you track through Genesis chapters 1 and 2, there is a definite and a very clear progression that is going on in creation. That there is an ascending importance, there's an ascending refinement in creation. That we're rising, 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 rising to a crescendo. It's not like we started at the top and we're working our way down and, or, or somewhere along the middle like there's a flat line. What you get as you read Genesis 1 and 2, there's this rising of creation. Things are getting better and better, and God is refining more and more and more, and the level of importance goes up. So when you get to Adam, what does God say? God says, Adam, you will rule and reign over all of it. If we don't get that from, I mean, can't you not see the importance right there? So Adam, you're on top of all of it. You're to rule, you're to reign, you're to tend, and you're to care for. And then God looks down, and he says, you know what? This isn't good. It's the first negative statement that you read in the Bible. God says, this is not good. Adam needs help. Does anybody here know Adam needs help? Anybody? Any women here know that Adam needs help, okay? So Adam, God sees us because you need help, right? So God steps in and he does something about it. He says, this, this is not good. Adam needs help. I'm going to get him help. So it says he made a woman. So we have the first uh, situation of surgery. So if you're a surgeon here today, you ought to be happy with this. God performs the first surgery, gives Adam anesthesia, puts him flat out, boom, he's gone, and he surgically removes this rib from him. And it says he made a woman. Literally in the Hebrew, it means he built a woman. And the implication of the Hebrew word of the building of the woman means careful design by the hands of God. God carefully designs with his own hands this woman. The woman, everybody, listen, listen, ladies. The woman is the only living being created out of another living being in all of creation. Very unique. Completely unique in the story of creation. Man is what? A man is refined dirt. How many women know that men are refined dirt? Okay, a man is refined dirt. A woman is refined humanity. Different thing. Different thing, ladies. That's what the scripture says here. The woman is refined humanity. In creation, woman is completely unique. Creation is not complete it's not done, it's not finished until the woman is created. And once the woman is created, God says, now I'm done and nothing else has been created since. The door on creation by God was not closed and God said, here's the woman and she has been created. What the Bible seems to literally be screaming at us as we read through this story is that God has saved the best till last. It seems incredibly obvious. She is the best that God has to offer. Let's fast forward into chapter 3. So what do you say, if you're the devil, what do you say to the most complete, the most refined, to, the, to that very being that's been carefully designed by the hands of God? What do you say to them? What do you lie to them to get them to trip up? What do you lie to them? What do you say? You say, are you the best that God can do? Are you the best that God can do? So what does the devil say? 
he goes along to Eve and he says, you're not good enough. You need to be like God. And the way you can be like, like God is you need, eat, you need to rebel against God and you need to eat of this fruit. You know, what strikes me, just very simple, what strikes me here is the woman's greatest strength, the fact that she's more than enough, right? She's the greatest thing that God has ever created. She's the top. She's the crescendo. She's the pinnacle of it. Her greatest strength, the devil comes along and sees that that's a weakness in her, that she would doubt that. And so he says to her, you're not enough. You should be more. There's more that you can do. It's amazing to me. Her greatest strength, also her greatest weakness, and the devil comes along. Many women say, and I know guys struggle with this too, but uh, it appears to me from listening to women over the years and the reading I've done in the Bible and in other books is that women struggle with fears of insecurity and adequacy to a level that's even stronger than men. I hear things like this a lot. I'm not good enough. I hear women say, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I should be a better mom. I should be a better daughter. I should be a better sister. I should be a better friend. And I feel like women struggle with that enough word even more than men do. And I'm just wondering, is there any chance that the devil, that same devil who was in the garden speaking those lies to Eve and saying, you're not enough. I'm wondering if that same devil is around today doing those same exact lies to women all over the place and you have to reject those lies. As long as you're listening to those lies, there's going to be a storm that rages inside of your life. What God says to you in creation is that actually you're more than enough. Like, if you're not enough, there's nobody else that's going to be enough because you're it. You're the top of the creation class and you have to reject those lies. Jesus Christ says it's the truth that sets us free. And you need to take a look, ladies, you need to take a look at what the scripture says about you very clearly. And you have to make it then a decision. I'm either going to embrace the truth of Scripture and I'm going to take all these lies the devil's throwing my way and imprison them as the Bible talks about and get rid of them and lock them away so they can't speak to you anymore. You're either going to do that or you're going to listen to the lies and a storm is always going to rage in your life and you'll never find that inner rest and peace and that quietness and that stillness that the Bible talks about that can exist in our lives. You have to reject the lies. Here's the second thing that I see, the letter E. Examine your beauty. Examine your beauty. It says this, Genesis 2.23. The man said, now this is bone of my bones. This doesn't translate too well in English. In Hebrew, there's a tremendously, there's just much more emotion that's given to this verse. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. For she was taken out of a man. There's tremendous excitement that the man is speaking here when he first sees this woman. Oh, I can't believe it. She's incredible. She's a knockout. This guy is completely thrilled. He's personally attached. He's bone of my bone. She's flesh of my flesh. This guy is tremendously excited. He calls her woman. Now, in the Hebrew here, and we just say woman, but in the Hebrew, the word is more like W-H-O-A, whoa. God is saying, whoa, man. What is this that we have got here? He's completely floored. He's enthralled by her beauty. He is knocked off his feet, and there is not one mention of the way she looks on the outside. Very important. There is not one mention 
of how she looks on the outside, and he is knocked off his feet. He is thrilled beyond compare. He cannot believe it. Ladies, you got to hear this. All this beauty, there, every single woman is incredibly beautiful because God put the beauty inside of you. All right? There is not a woman in this room who is not a complete knockout. God put that on the inside of you. He create, that's what the scripture says. He created that beauty inside of you. has nothing to do with your outsides. It's not an external thing. All of that beauty is on the inside of you. You have got to see it. There will be a storm that will rage in your life for all of your life, and you will go to the grave raging in your life until you say to God, show me, God, my beauty that you put on the inside of me. When you see that, when God shows you that, it's going to be a peace. There's going to be a quietness. That, and if, there, if you don't have that, there's always going to be a struggle and a stress and a strength. There are women in this world that are incredibly beautiful on the outside. And everybody sees it, but they don't see it. Right? Until we see it. Forget the external for a second. Until we see the inner beauty. Until a woman sees her own inner beauty that Almighty God designed and put in her. There cannot be peace. There cannot be rest. And you have to go to God and say, God, open my eyes. I want to see it. And that's not an arrogant thing or a prideful thing. That's just a truth thing. I need to know who you created and designed me to be. What did you put inside of me? So you go to God over and over and over again with that ask. Show me my beauty. Now, I think it's very important, ladies, that you pray that prayer. And it's very important that maybe you have somebody, because some, some, some of you are saying, there's no way I'm praying that prayer. The moment I said this, some of you are just not going to do it. Why? Why aren't you going to do it? Don't allow, allow the lies of the enemy to rob you of all the peace and all the wonder that God wants to do in your life, don't do that. Reject those lies. And pursue God and pursue His truth. I think it would be a great idea for many of you, when it's over, to go over here to the prayer team and find a woman on the prayer team and say, you know what? I want to see all that God put on the inside of me. I want to see this thing. It's all over the place in the Word of God. I want to see it. Examine your beauty. S. Stop pursuing men stop pursuing men it says in genesis 2 24 for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and other versions say here where it says be united it says cleave and bible school we used to talk about the leaving and the cleaving the leaving and the cleaving for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they will become one flesh who's doing the leaving here why is that who's doing the pursuing Who's going to come in after here? Who's doing this? Is she? Why, why isn't she mentioned? Why doesn't it say, okay, he's going to leave and she's going to leave and boom. It's all going to be happy. It focuses on him. He's doing the leaving. He's doing the pursuing. He's doing the finding. Why is it that we have in the Bible, we hear about Isaac pursuing Rebecca, Jacob pursuing Rachel, and Jesus Christ called the bridegroom pursuing his bride, which is called who, everybody? The church. Who's doing pursuing in all these cases? The man. 
The man is doing the pursuing in all of these cases. In both men and women, we all need to, we all need to embrace the truth and the reality of the way God has set things up. We need to understand that. Proverbs 18.22. Who in the world doesn't know what Proverbs 18.22 says? It's a very important verse. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from God. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Do you ever read in the Bible, she who finds a husband finds a good thing and receives favor from God? Now, there's a couple different sermons we could preach off that. Right? He who's doing the finding. I think it's pretty clear. He's doing the finding. He goes, he finds, he pursues. The way God has set things up is for a man to pursue. And to pursue what? What does the scripture say? What is he pursuing here? Is he pursuing a girlfriend? Is he pursuing a sexual partner? Is he pursuing a roommate? No, he's pursuing a wife. And what the implication in this verse is, is that with the direction of God, this man is searching for a wife. This is the way God has designed and set things up. Now, what happens when this man does this? It says he receives the favor of God. Oh. So if you're a single man and you want to experience the favor of God under the direction of God, you should pursue and find a wife. If you are a single man and you want the favor of God, you should consider under the direction of God, pursuing and finding a wife. If you are a single woman, don't, don't pursue a man. I want to say one thing, and I won't linger long on this, because it might get a little bit too difficult in the room if I do. Uh, ladies, the last point I made about examining your beauty. If you will pursue God and say, God, show me my beauty, and God will reveal, reveals that to you, and you see your beauty, you see what God has put on the inside of you. If you walk around with that knowledge, you stand a much, much greater chance with that knowledge once you've embraced it, once you've seen it, of a guy also seeing that beauty in you as well. I think it's very important to note. Now, let's not leave the uh, husbands out in the room, can we? Can we not leave them out for a second? We want to be inclusive here as a church. We want to embrace everybody, men, women, children, married, single. So let's bring the husbands into the room for a second, say something to them. Husbands, the pursuit of your wife does not stop with I do. It does not stop. You continue to pursue. This, men, is your job, your J-O-B. God designed you that way. He gave you a mission, and that mission is to pursue and to protect, and you never go off that mission for the rest of your life. You pursue, which means you are the first one to say things like, I'm sorry, let's make up. You're the first one to plan a special time together. You're the first one to ask at the end of the day. You know what a woman's top need is, we're told? Affection. Affection. All right? You know one of the ways you can be affectionate? Four words. Four words. Ready, guys? Is if, if you're a wife and you're sitting next to your husband, bam, nail him right now and wake him up. Okay? Just so he's listening. All right, here you go. Four words. Ready, guys? How was your day? First thing you see her, boom, right off the bat. How was your day? I'm interested in your life. You know how many women say, gosh, if my husband would just ask me how my day was? 
I would know that he loves me and cares for me, isn't concerned about my life. Guys, is, can we do that? There's total silence in this room. Guys, can we, can we do that? Is, that? is that really hard? How hard is that? Is that like, it's like climbing Mount Everest? How was your day? I want you to remember three words that all begin with the letter P, all right? Passive, pursue, protect. Passive, pursue, protect. Don't, husband, don't go passive. Always pursue and protect. What did Adam do? He was standing right there. I never saw this for years. When Eve was being tempted by the serpent, what, where was Adam? He was standing right there in total passiveness. He was passive. What's his job? He went off job. He took his boots off, laid down his badge, dropped it. She's being tempted. His job was to protect her. And instead of protecting her, he blames her. He goes passive. Never go passive. Husbands, when you go passive, you make your wife vulnerable to the lies of the devil. Do not do that. All right, we're almost done. Uh, trust God. T, trust God. Until we trust God, a storm will rage in our life. We have to trust God. So let's take a look at this. It says in Genesis 2.25, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They were naked. Eve was completely trusting. She was open. She was free before the fall. After the fall, she goes into hiding and she's full of fear. And when God confronts Adam and Eve, what happened here? Did you guys eat the fruit? I told you, did you do that? Did you disobey me? And Adam immediately speaks up. And, you know, the, the amount of words that he uses in his response to God are about double the amount of words that Eve uses in her response to God. And basically says, yes, and, you know, that woman that you made, the one you built for me, it's all her fault. She did it. Can you imagine the guilt that she felt? I mean, can you imagine the, the compounding guilt over the years and later and, you know, the, all the sin and the rain, rules and reigns and, you know, Cain kills Abel, right, because the sin that she ushered. Can you imagine the guilt? Do you know any women that feel guilty? Do you know any women that struggle, struggle with guilt? Is that like a big problem for women? Because I can just imagine here there's massive amounts of guilt. And what I want to say here is, is that, you know, her protector, Adam, he didn't protect her. He blames her. And since that time, it seems like a woman's heart is raging with this storm of guilt that's inside of there. You all remember the story where Jesus Christ was out on the lake and they were in a boat with the disciples and he's asleep, you know, at the front of the boat. He's asleep there. And this huge storm comes up and the disciples are just like totally freaked out because they all think they're going to die. And so they finally go to Jesus and they wake him up because he's sound asleep. And they say, don't you, don't you care? We're getting ready to drown, do something. He gets up and he looks around at the raging storm. And then he just, and I don't know how loud he does it, but the words that he uses are this. Peace, be still. And boom, all the raging stops. The storm quiets. The winds die down. The rain stops. The waves stop. Everything just becomes peaceful and tranquil. Here's what God really put on my heart for the day. I feel like that Jesus Christ wants to speak into every single woman's heart here today. And he wants to say, peace, be still. 
You don't need to struggle, stress, or strain anymore. Peace. Would you allow, would you allow, would you actually request Jesus Christ to do that for you today? Ladies, would you say, Jesus, could you speak that same word into my life? Peace be still. And all the storms that are going on inside just, just completely go away. I'm going to close with this. You have to trust God. When you trust someone, you let them handle, you let them handle all the struggle, stress, and strain, right? Instead of taking it all on yourself, when you trust somebody else, so then you can sleep at night. You know, God says to us when we're up all night, and boy, this has happened to me a few times recently, and I can't sleep, so I'm worried about a lot of things. God says, I got it. 24-7, I'm awake. You can go ahead to sleep. I'll take the night shift for you, right? It's okay. And God is saying the same thing. He says it's okay to rest. That whole famous story of Mary and Martha, and Martha is just working, 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 working. God says, hey, Martha, it's okay. You can rest. And I feel like some of the ladies in our world need to hear that same statement. It's okay. You can take, you know, you can take a time out, and you can rest. It's okay to rest. Sarah was going to have a son. God said, you are going to have a son. And she believed it for a while. But then she waited and she waited and she waited. And what did she finally do? Did she trust God? She trusted God for a time. But eventually she couldn't do it anymore. And so she took matters into her own hands, didn't she? And she goes to her husband, Abraham, and says, take my maid, Hagar, and raise up a child through her. And what does passive Abraham do? Does Abraham know what the truth is? So men, we need to listen to this. It was Abraham's job, his God-ordained job, to protect his wife, Sarah. It wasn't Sarah's fault because it wasn't her job. Abraham needed to stand up and say, oh, no, we're not doing this. It's okay. I want to protect you from this bad mistake because that ended in catastrophe. Middle East conflict, global conflict because of a lack of trust on her part and a lack of protection on his part. So goes Hagar, has the kid, is nothing but turmoil. We're in a few moments going to sing a song about the fact that God has the whole world in his hands. The question is, are you willing to put your life in the hands of God and to fully trust him? Maybe you've been waiting a, a long time Ladies, you've been praying about something for a long time, and you say, you know what? I've put myself in God's hand. I did that a decade ago or two decades ago, and still there's a storm that's raging in my life. And all I want to say to you is, I am so sorry. <laughs> I feel your pain. Isn't there sometimes you just want to look up to heaven and say, come on, can you possibly hurry up? Let's get on with this. I mean, what is the deal? What's with the long wait on things? Put yourself, when you trust God, what you do is you just keep putting yourself in the hands of God over and over and over again and allow God to bring peace where there is a storm inside of your life. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, for the truth and the power of your word. Uh, Lord, a lot of storms raging inside of our lives. Jesus, I just, just want to ask that you would proclaim as you did that day on the lake. You would proclaim an end to the storm. And you would speak into the lives of every single woman in this place. They would cry out to you, God, speak into me, peace be still.
Show me who I really am and what you've designed and created me to be. To reject the lies and to embrace your truth. Father, I pray a blessing on every single woman in this room. Father, I just pray that, the, that you would bless and keep. Father, that you would make your face to shine upon every woman in this room and be gracious. God, that you would lift up your countenance upon every woman in this room. And that your peace would fill her life. In Jesus' name, amen.